The scripture reading today is from Psalm 27, verses 1, 7, and 8, and 14. Verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Verse 8. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. And verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this is the first uh, in a three-part series called The Journey of Overcoming. Uh, because each of these is indeed a journey. It's, it's a process. We're talking about the journey of overcoming fear this morning, and Brian spoke to it. Uh, next week will be the journey of overcoming unforgiveness. And the third week will be the journey of overcoming depression. Uh, and I think all of us have run into each of these uh, to some degree. Um, I, I would encourage you to come the next two Sundays if for no other reason. I think the testimonies you will hear uh, by people who have struggled with these things uh, would be worth uh, hearing. So I would encourage you to do that. And again, it's indeed a process. It's indeed a journey. Now, speaking of the journey of fear, it was around 1950 that W.H. Auden wrote a book called The Age of Anxiety. And he was addressing issues of anxiety in that day. He called the 1950s the age of anxiety. And I remember seeing a copy of this. My father had a copy, and I started leafing through just the first part of it. It was talking about how the 1950s were just such an angst-laden time. And I thought, man, if the 1950s was the age of anxiety, you know, I I think of the Fonz, you know. I think of happy days and everything. Well, no doubt today I would say we live in an age of high anxiety at the least, you know, a lot of stress, anxiety, and worry are just at an all-time high. All of us wrestle with fear on some level. What would you say is your fear that you struggle with even right now? Uh, 57 million Americans, that's more than one in six Americans, struggle with some anxiety disorder. So there's a lot of us in here who struggle with that. So if you do, you're not alone at all. And welcome to the human race. And uh, obviously, it's just a, a common thing now. In fact, it's the most common Uh, emotional disorder or psychological disorder that we have in America today. Um, Some call it the new depression, and that might be a good way of putting it. Now, the irony is that by all outward measures, we have the least reason at this point in history to have anxiety. You know, we're, we're living longer than we ever had. Our standard of living is higher than it's ever been. There are few fewer people in the last 40 years killed in a war than any other 40-year span in American history. Violent crime is down 50% since 1990. Uh, So all of this together really makes it ironic. So Daniel Gardner, in his book, The Science of Fear, that was written a lot more recently, he says this, We are the healthiest, wealthiest, and longest-lived people in history, and we are increasingly afraid. This is one of the great paradoxes of our time. Well, in our brief time here together, what can we say about overcoming uh, fear. What does Scripture have to say about it? And I, I love the song that that uh, that Keith sang. You know that 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 same Spirit that has so much power resides in us. And it kind of took me back to our Holy Spirit emphasis uh, in our in our theme this year is breathe Holy Spirit living it through me and, and or moving through me. And I thought I'll I'll use that as a framework for what we're talking about because we're going to use a number of passages of Scripture. But really, that Holy Spirit emphasis kind of pervades all of this. So we'll we'll base it on Holy Spirit moving through me. So four movements with this. Let's start with holy. And let's look at Romans 8, 15, 
where it says this, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. That's a wonderful passage that tells us, it reminds us that we were brought about to be adopted children of the sovereign, holy God of all things. Think about that. We've been brought about to be his adopted children. And what a comfort, no doubt, that is. We're, we're his adopted children whom he holds close. He holds you close as if you were the only one in the world to hold close. Now, speaking of holding close, we have a beagle in our house. I've had beagles all my life, and, and they're fun because they will bark at anything living or inanimate, and they seem fearless, at least at first. But there are two things that beagles don't like, and if you're a dog lover and have a dog, you probably know this. They don't like fireworks and thunder, okay? Now, that's not our dog, but that's what our dog does is get under the, the closest furniture if there's fireworks or especially if there's thunder. And clearly, thunder happens more often. Now, let me ask you all this because I didn't know about this until recently. How many of y'all have ever heard of a thunder shirt for a dog? A thunder shirt. Look at him. Oh, and, and I think we got one more picture there, but, but it's, 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 a, it's, it's a shirt that you put on a dog when it's thundering outside, and they have this sensation of being held close, and they just feel more secure. Apparently, it works. Anybody have one and have ever tried it? And it does it work? Works. Okay, cool. Well, now, one, Tim Christopher in the first service, who's a physician, and uh, Susan Foster, who's a specialist in special education, informed me, and I didn't know this, they also have... Uh, Let's see, what is it called? Weighted clothing, I guess. Is it, that's what it's called? Yeah, no, weighted blankets, weighted blankets. So apparently, just like they have these thunder shirts for dogs, they are now weighted blankets for us. Did you know that? And so you can go and get a weighted blanket, so when you're dealing with some kind of anxiety, you can just wrap yourself up in that. That To me, what, they made those, what, snuggles? What do you call those things that they had on TV? Is that what they were? Snuggies, snuggies. Do you have one on right now, Marla? Oh, that's his jacket. Okay. You got a Snuggie on there. <laughs> it's cold. It's not thundering, but it's very cold. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. I just looked down. I thought, stand up here. No. <laughs> well, it makes them feel more secure. So I want to offer up a, a, a thunder shirt or, or a uh, uh, weighted uh, blanket for you and me, kind of a spiritual one, because again, there are these marvelous passages that you can kind of wrap yourself up in that can give us courage, especially when we're afraid. I call them the myriad uh, unafraid verses. Interestingly, the most often repeated refrain in Scripture is stated again and again either by an angel or by God or by Jesus himself, and it is the phrase, do not be what? Afraid. Do not be afraid. At least a hundred times, do not be afraid. And you see it put in more lyrical ways, beautiful ways uh, in the Psalms and in the books of the prophets. And I want to look at, at just a few of these. And what, what I love to do, and something you can do when you pray verses, you might have heard of praying the Psalms or whatever, you can, you can read a verse but then go back and meditate on it and you can kind of move the pronouns around to where, in a sense, it becomes your prayer. Or you can say, I thank you, God, that. And you kind of uh, repeat uh, what you've just read in a way that you're giving uh, gratitude to God. So let's look at a, a few of these. First of all, Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will give you strength, and for sure I will help you. Yes, I will hold you up with my right hand that is right, 
and good. And again, if you want, you can just meditate upon that and then change that. You know, uh, I will not fear for you are with me, O God. I will not be afraid because you are my God. I know that you will give me strength and for sure you will help me. Yes, you will hold me up with your right hand that is right and good. You can do it that way, just change the pronouns around and make it your, your voiced scripture prayer, if you will. Or you can say, I thank you, my God, that I need not fear because I know you're with me. I thank you that I need not be afraid because you are my God, and go on. Uh, another passage, I think a psalm, is a Psalm 27.1, which was read a moment ago. The Lord is my light and the one who saves me. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? Even if an army gathers around me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if war rises against me, I will be sure of you. And again, I thank you, God, that you are my light and the one who saves me. Whom should I fear? Because you are the strength of my life. Changing the pronouns around or giving thanks because he is your light and your salvation. So, again, just one way to do that and let those verses kind of wrap you up in a wonderful uh, bundle of, of, of courage and hope. And again... Uh, so again, we're held by this holy, uh, sovereign God. So that's holy. Let's go from holy, let's see, Holy Spirit moving through me. So spirit, secondly, spirit. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2 is interesting. It talks about how the Holy Spirit helps us discern things that are both spiritual and very practical. It helps us understand things that are spiritual and often practical. So let me, let's just get really practical about fear. Bottom line from a clinical standpoint, fear is a biochemical thing to a large extent. It's biochemical in its roots. There's a part of the brain called the amygdala, and it's called amygdala. That word literally means uh, in the Greek of uh, almond, because it's an almond-shaped part of your brain. And it has two basic functions that are really gifts from God, but when one of them might go awry for various reasons, mainly because you've got a good imagination, uh, it kind of causes problems. Now, one part of the amygdala detects fear in the present. So it's kind of like your smoke detector, your smoke alarm, right? And so you, it, it triggers this fight-or-flight mechanism that we have. So when an emergency happens, it alarms you and makes you realize, I need to do something here in this situation. The other part of the amygdala predicts the future, not the present, but the future, anticipates it. It's kind of like your be ready button. And so, you know, uh, I'm getting up in the morning, I'm getting in my car, I know I'm, I've got to drive on I-20, uh, I need to remember to buckle my seatbelt, right? Uh, it's cold outside, I need to remember to put a coat on. Uh, I'm at a construction site, I need to remember once I get there to put on a hard hat. Uh, I'm going deep sea fishing, in a few hours I need to take a dram. I mean, that kind of thing. I mean, you're just kind of planning for that. But the problem is when our imagination kicks into gear, into overdrive. And, and, and we fall into what's called amygdala hijack. And what happens is we begin to treat non-occurrences as if they are occurrences. And there's a strong emotional response to that. By the way, when our imagination kicks in, if you struggle with anxiety, and I just know this uh, from firsthand knowledge and just research, if you struggle with some kind of anxiety, it means that you're a very creative, imaginative, and intelligent person, okay? So if you ever get angst-laden or anything, you're like, well, I'm just being brilliant, you know? So, but that's really true. But that can kind of work against you because, again, you wind up hijacking that part of the amygdala, and you start having stress about stuff you don't really need to stress about. And you'll go through this strong emotional response, and then you'll look back after it's over and think, that wasn't real, that wasn't, you know, necessary, that wasn't appropriate, there was no need for that. It's really when that part of the amygdala, which just anticipates future things, begins to be the smoke alarm, when it doesn't need to be. 
And, and it makes you feel alarmed when you don't need to be because there's no fire. And this kind of alarm can really wear you out. Uh, Deanne and I were talking the other day about when I had a dear Aunt Anne and Uncle Keith uh, who wanted us for years and pestered us for years to come see them in their uh, sprawling land and, and big city known as Cambridge City, Indiana. Uh, if, if, you, if, if a survey will be taken on the most boring town in America, there you go. And uh, we drove there straight from here all the way up there. We were exhausted by the time we got there. It was a long, long drive. And that evening, we all settled in to, to just, you know, crash, and we'll sleep in and everything. Well, we were probably asleep for about a half hour, and all the, you know, all the alarms in, in their home just went off loud. And um, bottom line, they said they had, that had never happened or anything, so I'm glad they uh, let us be a part of that. And, uh, but we could not fix the alarms. They, they were built into the ceiling in a way that you couldn't get to them, and it wasn't just battery-driven, so it was like, what do we do? Well, long story short, every 15 minutes for that entire night, those would go off. And right when we were settling in, okay, finally, and then it would rattle you again. It was not a good night of sleep. We were exhausted. And, and, and it can do this again when you let that part of the amygdala kind of take over as your smoke alarm, and it can just wear on you. If you've been anxious about something over the course of time, you know what this is like. It can just really burn you out because you begin, as cl- clinicians say, catastrophizing. And, and you inflate all these threats to the point that you think the worst possible things that could happen are going to happen. Someone shared with me an acronym recently about fear. He said, much fear is the result of false events appearing real. And I appreciate that, false events appearing real. Uh, uh, Deanna Pauk, who is the best uh, anxiety specialist here in Birmingham, she's just tremendous and, and the best in this region but she will tell her patients again and again who are struggling with anxiety, she will say, you know, reality is a much better alternative than what's going on in your mind right now. I think that's really good. Reality is a much better alternative than what's going on right now with you. So don't give in to a, events appearing real. I think it's important that we try to face our fears and discern whether or not they're warranted. And if your imagination starts to kick in and you start imagining the worst things that could happen, try shifting that, reframing that to imagining Really, just how good God is and how big God is and all the ways that God is there for you. Uh, think, uh, you know, imagine the promises he has, that he has for you and, and that they are real. As assured as, as Brian was just a minute ago talking about that he's going to heaven, it's that kind of assuredness that he can give us. And, and so because of that, we, we really do begin to recognize that peace that surpasses all understanding that does what? It says guards your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And we're not being escapist here. Let me make that clear. It's really seeing reality for what it really is, which brings us to the third point. So Holy Spirit moving. Holy Spirit moving through me. Holy Spirit moving. Because the Spirit is moving in and through us, we can confront the things that cause us fear. Again, as Keith sang, you know, we, the same power that does all these great things resides in us. Um, if you read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul gets to a point of telling the Corinthians, man, we were at a point of fear and frustration and threats to where we were, and the word there is overwhelmed to the point where we, and it says, where we despaired of life itself. This is Paul. We despaired of life itself. And yet you read just a little bit further. <laughs> you get to uh, uh, Philippians 
And it's so cool because now he's in a Roman prison sometime later after he wrote that to the Corinthians. He's in prison. He writes from that Roman prison to the Philippians. And he basically says, I'm in prison and it's so great. You know? and, and he basically says, uh, gets to the crux of the matter when you get to Philippians chapter 4. That wonderful passage where he says, I know what it's like to have a lot. I know what it's like to have not much at all. Really what he's saying there too is, I know what it's like to be extremely afraid. I also know what it's like to be just doing just fine and everything's easy. But I've been there, done that, seen all these movies, you know. I know what it's like because I have faced my fears again and again. And you know what I've learned? I've learned the secret of contentment, which is what I can do, what things through Christ? All things through Christ who strengthens me. And Paul's not being escapist at all. He's putting his trust in Christ. It drives me crazy when people think that Christ followers deny the reality of fear or suffering in the world. No, we don't deny the reality of fear and fearful circumstances. What we affirm is the presence of a God who is there for us, who offers that surpassing peace. And because of that surpassing peace, we can meet our fears head on. And it's because of that surpassing peace that only he can give. I love the way William Barclay puts it. In one of his commentaries, he says, The peace which the world offers us is the peace of escape, the peace which comes from the avoidance of trouble and from refusing to face things. The peace which Jesus offers us is the peace of conquest. No experience of life can ever take it from us, and no sorrow, no danger, no suffering can ever make it less. It is independent of outward circumstances. That spirit in us, within us, moving within us, assures us of that peace. And we don't just do this for ourselves or to give God glory, obviously. We do it for the sake of others. And that really brings me to the final one, Holy Spirit moving through me. Why is the Spirit moving through me? Well, it's really for the sake of being a courageous witness, just like the one we heard just a moment ago who was sitting up here. Uh, That kind of takes us to Last year's theme, which was fanning the flame, I think we got our deal up there, yeah. And that is based on uh, 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 8, which says what? This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Again, we need not have that fear. And, and when we have less and less and less fear, we're being the better witnesses that God wants us to be in order to reach others. Uh, all of you are familiar with that phrase that uh, FDR uh, stated in 1933 at his inaugural address. Uh, you, you could even, okay, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Now, it was interesting that newspapers the next day were like, what exactly did he mean by that? And people were kind of interpreting it in different ways if you study it. But it's interesting, if you look at the whole sentence, you see what he's saying. It kind of goes back to that fear thing of of, uh, false events appearing real. This is what he said, and I think you can follow it up here. This is the full sentence. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. Now, FDR was not denying fearful circumstances, but he's saying let's not go overboard with it. Let's not have the the, the alarms going off all over the place. We can handle this. But way too often we have this fear that is not reasonable. It's unjustified. And it's paralyzing our needed efforts to do what? Convert retreat into advance. 
Again, I can't help but think of Brian Bonds. He's a beautiful example of someone who has converted retreat into advance and the advancement, very simply, of the gospel. Again, what do you and I need to do in our own lives? What's a fear in our own lives that can help us if we lean into the peace of this holy God who wraps us in his arms, you know, who gives us that surpassing peace? What could we do in order to advance the work of the gospel? You know, the payoff for overcoming our fears, it, it, it should be less for us and, and more to the glory of God. But I think God would even say, no, use it to go out there and reach those who themselves are under some type of stress, anxiety, whatever it might be. And when it gets down to it, yes, I think the foundational fear of humanity, I think the basic human plight is the fear of death, no doubt. I think that's where a lot of religions uh, arise or have arisen, is because of the fear of death. And yet Paul says what? Do you remember? Because of this incredible peace he had about all these years, for me to live as Christ and to die as what? Gain is gain. I love the story, and Brian told me last Sunday about what his brother Glenn said to him when, he, when, when Brian broke the, the, the news to Glenn about the ALS, and, and he said immediately his brother said, wow, what an opportunity. In fact, he made him, he said, what? Wow, what an opportunity. And, and, and Brian is just locked into that, hasn't he? Talk about converting retreat into advance. It's not always easy, but you just got to keep moving on. Uh, I want to show the young people I'm really down with it, okay? Uh, And uh, anybody ever heard of this group called United Pursuit? Y'all ever heard of United Pursuit? How many of y'all have actually heard of United Pursuit? It's a group out of Knoxville. Austin, you haven't? Oh, you need to hang with me so you can be more turnt and lit and yeet and all those other things, okay? I'm sorry. I know, I'm so glad my daughter isn't here today. Um, Anyway, United Pursuit is a really cool group. I didn't know about it until the the woman last week who cuts my hair, and uh, she said, oh, they're going to be in concert in Nashville, and they're coming to Birmingham really soon, and she's real excited. It's a group that emerged kind of very organically uh, uh, in Knoxville, Every week they have a live stream, I think it's Tuesday evenings, and they, they just kind of go to this warehouse and the, the band starts playing and just whosoever shows up. And it's wonderfully free and worshipful, and they'll sing songs and then somebody will just feel led to pray. And sometimes somebody will feel, very rarely, but somebody will feel led to step up and speak. And there was one guy that got up to speak. I just watched about half hour of it. It was just great, but this one guy gets up there in his flannel shirt and jeans and everything. And he says, hey, i got to tell you all something that happened to me. He said, I just flew back in from Colorado. Uh, today, but yesterday um, I got involved in uh, flat-like conditions. Y'all, who knows what flat-like con- flat-like conditions are? Does anybody know when you're you can be flying and run into flat-light, or uh, when you're skiing? Or this guy was snowmobiling, and, and what is that? Well, it, it's basically when the light of the sun is coming your way. And, and the snowflakes, the mini snowflakes that are kind of fluttering up all around you along with a bad fog kind of hit you as you're going into it. And it's kind of an optical illusion because you just, you feel like everything around you is just white and you're just kind of suspended. Uh, it's, it's kind of the opposite of being in a cave when you turn the lights off and you can't even see your hand. Well, it's just the opposite, but everything is white. And, and he was told, now, we're going to let you snowboard down this hill. He rented a, a not snowboard, excuse me, a snowmobile. He said, we're going to let you snowmobile down this, this hill. But, but listen, you're going to get into flat light. Just be ready. And he was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I can handle that. They said, just keep going straight. 
You'll hit a bump or two, but you're going to be fine. Uh, we let people do this because we've never had problems with everything. So he starts going down, and this guy just said, man, it, it, was, it was like I was suspended in nowheresville. He said it was, it was like, you know, I couldn't see anything, and everything was just white light. But then he said, he said it was the coolest thing because, you know, the guy just said, keep going. And uh, uh, he said, you know, it taught me that the truth that, man, in every second of our lives, every minute of our lives, we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what's right ahead. It might be a bump. It might not be. But, you know, you've just got to keep going. And he said, just keep going and, and trust that light that's leading you until you find that light in the long run. He said, that's what faith is. I thought, that, that's good. And so, knowing that we're wrapped in the love of this holy God and, and, and knowing that because the Spirit resides in us, we can discern maybe a little bit better what we should really fear and what we really don't need to fear, and that's the majority of things. And yet in the long run, even when it comes to the fear of death, we just keep moving on toward that light, and we're going to be all right, and we're going to show others what it means to live by faith. Let's pray together. Thank you, O oh God, that indeed you are there, and because, because of you, we can trust in you and therefore not be afraid. We're going to sing about that in a moment, and we thank you so much that when we're alone, when we feel like hope is not present, when we feel afraid, that you are there for us. Lord, each and every one of us in this room is struggling with some fear right now, some stressor, some anxiety. And I want you just to take a minute and just have a moment of silence and meditate with God, just between you and God, and lift up whatever that fear is to Him. Will you do that? What's causing you stress and strain? What's causing you to have the knots inside? Lift that up to him now. Lord, remind us that no matter what's going on, we can trust in you and that we are held by you and that you indeed can give us that peace like no one else can. Help us to make ourselves open to that even now. Pray these things in your name. Amen.